everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Gunham Book Club. And uh, we are actually reviewing one of my titles this time. But before we get into that, how we doing, Roar? Good to see you. Um, incredible. Thank you. All right. And Kat? I am doing great because I'm really looking forward to reviewing this book. Awesome. So, um... Yeah, uh, this was uh, my recommendation, and I also want to say this was my very first foray into what is uh, termed as Lit RPG, which is uh, it's a role-playing game done in literature format. Um, and I have since developed a, a fondness for this this sort of um, this sort of title. Um, there's a lot of them out there. A lot of them are garbage. Uh, but there's there's some actually good ones out there. So, uh, but you very definitely catch game mechanics uh, throughout the book. Uh, and what we're reviewing this time is Super Sales on Superheroes, book one. And the title is by, <clears throat> excuse me, it's by William D. Arend and uh, narrated by Jeff Hayes for those of us that listen to audio. And we all did, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I thought so. Um, I haven't given up on print books, but um, I'm. Uh, it's a much better use of my commuting time to do audiobooks. So, um, okay. So, just since it's my title, uh, it's up to me to give the general synopsis of the book. And so, uh, very simply, it is. Um, well, I'll, I'll read the summary first and then just um, add in things. But uh, it says, in a world of superpowers, Felix has a pretty crappy one. He has the ability to modify any item he owns to upgrade anything. And it sounds great on paper, almost like a video game, except that the amount of power it takes to actually change, modify, or upgrade anything worthwhile is beyond his abilities. And that's because... In this world, um, you may have a very powerful ability. Uh, you may be like really super strong. You could knock a building over. But your pool of power also figures into that. So there's two sides of it, the actual power and how much power you have to fuel your super, your superpower. And Felix has a really, really powerful superpower, but a really, really shallow pool of power to power it with. So, uh, so with that in mind, Felix settled into a normal life and a normal job. His entire world changes when the city he lives in is taken over by a supervillain, becoming a country of one city, so it becomes its own city-state. Surprisingly, not a whole lot changed. Politicians were still corrupt, banks still held on to your money, and criminals still committed crime. Though the black market had become a a lot more readily available. And um, in that not-so-black market, Felix, Felix discovers he has a way to make his power useful after all and grasp a hold of his chance with both hands. So um, what the uh, overall premise is, uh, I, I don't know, do you want to kill this off in layers or do you just want me to uh, kind of give a general overview of the whole book guys 
Um, I, reckon, I can kill it off in layers. That's my vote. Okay. So, um, if Kat, if you don't have any objection to that, the the first part of this opens with uh, Felix in his. Uh, he, he is a manager of a um, of a fast food joint, and he's uh, essentially looking to use his power to make um, to make gold, because uh, if he owns a piece of lead or uh, something like that, you know, he can change it into gold, and then he wants to sell that for money. Uh, he's living in his parents' estate, and um, they are missing. What's that? It's his aunt and uncle. Oh, that's right, his aunt and uncle's estate, and it's uh, and he's um, so and he's so he, he's basically living for free, but uh, his only income is his is his job, and he's looking to supplement that. So, um, yeah, what? Um, what do you guys uh, want to add to this? Um, it opens up with him trying to go to the black market to buy, I think it's Byzantium or, or Bismuth. Yeah, Bismuth. Bismuth. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I knew it was some sort of weird thing. Um, but instead, you know, he gets, uh, he buys this purchase. It takes like a good chunk of his savings or his paycheck or it kind of hurts him a little financially. And this box he takes back home into the garage and he opens it up and it is just a mutilated, destroyed, horrific corpse. And he thinks it's a corpse at first, but it is actually still alive and breathing. But it's just like barely indistinguishable, indistinguishable between male or female or um, I guess there's other races. So it could be like... um, like an elf or like a, a beast or, or something, beast yeah. or whatever. It was um, indistinguishable what it was, and you know, he was just like, "Well, um, like it, this thing is alive. I don't want to just let it sit here and die." And he's like, "I already spent the money on it," so he like starts to see if he can like upgrade them to fix them. Okay, and so the, this this bears some explaining real quick. The reason that he went to buy the bismuth was because it's like a heavy metal, and he, uh, the th- if things are closer to one another, it's easier for him to transform them. And it's a close chemical structure, as my understanding. So it right. costs the minimum amount of mana in order to to convert that over exactly. to the gold. And so he was he was to take possession of this bismuth, which would then make it his and he could alter it because that's what his power does. Anything he owns, he can alter. But instead, he was essentially given, uh, put into ownership of a slave that was almost dead, as Cat uh, illustrated. So now, because technically he owns this person, he can do upgrades on them. And so, yeah, go ahead, Cat. So I think he only has like 150 points he can spend a day and that refreshes at midnight every day. And so he's just like, well, there's not much I can do. A lot of this stuff is like really expensive. But like, I think the first thing he did was like restore her teeth and lips or something. Um, So they could eat um, if they ever became conscious again. Yeah, I think it was their their left hand. And then lips and then left eye or something like that. 
yeah. something that they could eat and yeah. And well, then the, see. so the first yeah. thing I thought the first thing he did was actually uh, put the the almost corpse into a coma. Yeah, which right. actually oh, which yeah. actually yeah. earned him points because it was a negative effect. Yeah. Yes, you're right. That's you're absolutely right. I forgot about that coma. And I think it's also something that he noticed as well is that a um, really early on, I don't know if I'm dropping this too early, but because he only has 150 points, as as he, he ac- accidentally got this um, this superhero, he noticed on the first day when he put her into a coma that he actually got access to her points to use. Correct, and because so he owns her. That's when... That's yep. when he realized that he, he he fell onto a pretty good idea here because instead of converting the business to gold, he's got now got access to more mana and he straight away goes, okay, well, if I can gain access to their mana, then I can convert more things quickly and I have to keep them alive. Yep. Yep. And, um, Wind, are you okay if I just continue on with yeah, that recapping? Yeah, that's fine. Yep. Because there's a, I want to go up to a certain point to where we get his inner circle, and then just kind of stop right there, and then do our reviews. Okay, go ahead. Um, so once he figures out, like you know, he did his upgrade on his points, and he's like, it's almost midnight. I'll wait for my points to refresh, and I'll do something again. Well, midnight struck, and then it said there's like a a burning in his head or arm or something, and then instead of a hundred and fifty points, he now had six hundred and fifty points because he now owns his slave. Therefore, he gets more points based off of them. So then he turns around and he contacts the guy he was getting the bismuth from, who was now named a different name at the time, but eventually his name becomes no name. Yeah. Cause he uses he, different names every time he contacts him. Yep. So he contacts no name and he buys two more of these shipments. And it turns out it's two more on the verge of death corpses. Um, Still indistinguishable, still pretty much the same as the first, puts them in a coma, and he gets more and more powers from this way. Um, or points, rather, this way. And then, you know, after some time passes, you know, he takes like a week off of work. He uses that time to spend those points upgrading them. It turns out um, at some point he takes them out of the coma so they can eat and drink and do whatever he's upgraded them to a point to where they have like an eye and they have a mouth and like a stomach to like keep the food in and everything and it turns out that it is three girls um one of them was a hero one of them i think was um i I don't remember i think she was like working with heroes and the other was like a pseudo villain um and it's at this point in Skipper City, you know, like villains are on the rise and heroes are on the decline. Like if you turn in a hero, you get a bounty for them. So the fact that he has one of these heroes with them is kind of risky. But, you know, he does a few things with them. You know, he had an old bar of lead that he converted to gold to like kickstart his economy into. Um, and then at some point he just like he quit his day job and he's just like, you know, this is far more profitable if I invest my time in them and committing like scrap, like going to the junkyard and taking like steel and iron and converting that into gold dead pawn shops or whatever. It's far more profitable. Well, at some point, no name contacts him, contacts him and he tells him about an auction for undamaged goods. And then he's just like, okay, so instead of getting them like beaten to an inch of their life, I can get them undamaged and 
get points that way. So then he goes across the street to a known loan shark. He gets like a $20,000 loan or whatever. And he goes to this auction and then he buys three more slaves. And then these are our main characters for the story. The first initial three, we have Mew Mickey, we have Iwana Ileescu, and Kit Carrington. The second three that come in are um, Andrea Elix, Lillian Lux, and Felicia Fay. Um, all of them are varying different um, races. Um, Kit is a human. She was a hero that I mentioned earlier. Andrea is a beastkin. Kit, was, is, Kit is a human. She's a she's a telepath, and oh, right, her hero house. name is Augur. Yes. Um, Andrea is a beastkin, a former mercenary. She also has the power to split herself into like multiple people and each and a, and a personality along with them. Um, Lillian is a human who is the um, who goes by the name Mab. She sucked out like the souls of people to gain power that way. Um, before then, uh, I know when you told me this before she became Mab and she was soul sucking. She was a lawyer. Yes. So I know you got to chuckle about the lawyer being a soul sucker. <laughs> it's very fitting. Uh, yeah, Mew Mickey probably is a human. She it's later mentioned that her power is um her abilities are doubled. So like her strength is doubled, her endurance is in double in double bleh. her endurance is doubled, you know, stuff like that. Um there isn't much said about Mew. She's very the quiet, the mysterious, you know, like lurks in the shadows kind of thing. Um Iwana Iliescu is kind of like a like I said earlier, she's a pseudo villain. She just was in it for like champion fighting. She would challenge anyone who she thought was strong enough to fight her, and she would literally fight them to the death. So her um, powers also, were were physical battle prowess based, and War Maiden was her. Yes, what was her name? Yep. And then finally, we have Felicia Fay, who was a dwarf, right? Yes, and. Um, she, her, her power was essentially her ability to, uh, fix things and create, uh, mechanical objects and that sort of thing. Yeah. I she feel like, like she's a, half dwarf. Yeah. By race. Yeah. And uh, she, she called her power, her wits. Yep. She's essentially like a tinkerer, like an inventor builder type thing. Yeah, and I think her wits were exactly that because when her power was absorbed, um, she wasn't even able to fix the toaster relative to the stuff that she could actually do when she had them. So I actually think her power is wits. Yeah. It make yeah, that made sense. And that that's the thing. So, um, that we really didn't mention it's, it's not an all or nothing Felix because he owns these people. He can set a, a percentage of draw on their powers. So he can take the point, all of their points for himself, leaving them completely powerless or uh, optionally, he can give them 10% or 50% or all of it if he wants to, if he needs them to use their powers for whatever he wants done. Um, the, the slave contract uh, keeps them from disobeying him because they're all magically bound uh, by a slave contract when they're sold. 
So uh, he doesn't need to take their powers to control them. So anyway, um, yeah, uh, we have the original six. Yeah, and I feel like we should leave it there for a recapping because at this point, if you're not hooked, which you totally should be, you should finish reading the book now. (laughs) Okay, so um, if you want to uh, get into the uh, numbers, uh, let's talk about the narrator first. And Kat, you had this ranked at a seven. I did. Um, I ranked it at a seven because I really did like the narrator. Um, I will say full disclosure, I liked the series so much. I've actually gone ahead in the series and the narrator changed in book two. Um, and I didn't, I don't hate the narrator in book two, but I don't think it was good as the book one narrator. And I'm also in another series, so I don't really remember much from the narrator. But from what I do remember is I really enjoyed the voices he gave. Um, The only thing that kind of took me out of it was um, very early on when Felix would be talking to himself. There was like an echo or a reverb in the audiobook. And that was just really driving me insane. I'm like, why am I hearing an echo? What's going on? Like, what's going on? Later on, through trial and error, and with your help, when we figured out that it was just an added effect for whenever he was talking to himself internally, it was just an added effect to signify that he's not talking aloud, he's talking inside his head. Once I figured that out, it wasn't so bad, but there was other few moments where like, he's talking inside his helmet, or he's talking over a radio, and then the audio just goes like, I'm now talking like this, and it's just... It just kind of like ruined the immersion a little bit. I don't know if it was to help the immersion, but for me, it kind of took me out of it. I was just like, okay, all right, that that's fine or whatever. But I, other than that, other than that stuff taking me out, I thought the narrator was pretty solid. And I also rated it a seven. I think Jeff Hayes did a really, really good job with the book. Um, I I'm usually partial to female narrators for uh, books that have single narrators and voice multiple genders of character. Uh, but Jeff did a really good job and I actually, uh, the, the bits in the beginning where he's talking, Felix is talking inside his own head and there's reverb that was not so bad. Um, and I actually appreciated later in the movie where he's like inside of his warden and, um, using the radio and where they didn't just make it a flat voice. I thought that actually added to the immersion. So, yeah, definitely, I thought it was worth a seven. What do you think, Roar? Yeah, I think I rated this one a little higher, so an eight. And you know me, I'm usually on the harsher ends of rating, and I'll tell you why. This is a little sexist. So typically male narrators just aren't as good. Um, quite often the, the audiobooks that I like, it's the female narrators that are the best ones, and that's because they, they have a wider vocal range. As you said, the the, the females can do male voices you know, the husky voices, and then they can do the female voices and they they have a really wide range. Whereas usually with the male narrators, they don't have access to the female voices. So they can't do kids and female voices as well as female narrators can. I feel like um, this narrator, so Jeff Hayes, did a really excellent job um, at doing that. Uh, I I understand your point about the, the effects that they did. I thought sometimes they were good. 
um sometimes they weren't as good so that i didn't mind the echo because i understood that that was you know inside his head and it gave you a little bit of context with audiobooks that you don't normally get like when people are thinking inside of their head or when they're not when they're talking to somebody which i'm reading a book at the moment dragon's justice or listening to a book and it's narrated by like several different narrators and it's really good with having the girls and the guys because you have two different narrators a girl who does all the girl voices and a guy who does all the guys voices but they don't do you you can't tell when they're inside of their head so it's actually a lot harder to to understand when um when it's an internal dialogue um opposed to an external dialogue and that's even worse of an issue when you have two narrators because you're not used to that person's style um so yeah i think he did a really good job for this and i I rank him up there up with probably my top male narrators uh the other one being stephen fry so yeah Yeah, after after rob lamont i'm surprised i didn't give jeff a 10 (laughs) <laughs> yeah rob lamont was uh sorry rob but you're definitely you're not in the top 10 <laughs> um but uh yeah i i, I agree and uh, i think that jeff did a uh, better than average job of of voicing all of the females and i will also say that i agree with you i think that some of my favorite audiobooks have are, are dual narrated um <clears throat> because uh with uh, the male doing most, if not all of the male voices and the female doing most of all or all of the female voices, uh, seems like that, uh, is a pretty good dynamic. So, um, okay. So let's talk about the setting in Skipper city. Uh, cat, you start us off. Um, the setting was probably the most disappointing out of all the book, but it's, I still rated it to seven. Um, because I, I, I liked the 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 empire building that happened. Um, aside from that, it was just all contained within Skipper City, pretty much. Uh, I think at one point they, um, towards the end of the book, they went to a farm, and that was like the only setting change that happened. Um, so for the, for that part, there wasn't much diversity there. But the empire building alone, like going from the ground up to having God knows however many underground level floors within Legion. And just all of that started from like three corpses and a brick of lead and a $20,000 loan. And then now he's just got his own corporation. He's got his own people, his own workforce and everything. And he's just making money hand over fist. And that's just like, Oh, I love this stuff. But, you know, for for just, like, where it was set, it was pretty much same-samey. Like, urban city, or, like, it was underground in, like, a training facility, or, like, a uh, like a cafeteria, or sometimes there was a command center stuff. So it was pretty much same-samey, not much diversity. So I liked the... I also rated it a 7, uh, and I liked uh, the fact that I thought they gave the city if not if not enough detail uh, at least the flavor of having a supervillain in charge um felix very nearly runs over a uh, superhero that was fleeing from a supervillain when he's making one of his back alley deals it gives it a very sinister um kind of feel to it 
and gives you an idea of at least the environment that he's working in. And then, of course, the Empire Building, where he builds Legion uh, to be his um, his corporation, more or less. Um, you know, I, so yeah, I thought it was I thought it was well done. What about you, Roar? Yeah, I mean the same again. Our ratings are pretty close. This could be a seven. It could be an eight. I think with urban fantasies, it's a lot easier to have a background because you're building in a city in a world that most people know. You're just building the context of the nuance around this specific world, which is about the supervillain and it being its own country. There is enough in there to say that you know heroes, um, the hero legion is is actually just more of a corporation. It's that claim themselves to be good. Um, I like the fact that while the supervillains in charge, the overall like economy within that city state's actually booming. People are happier. There's less crime going on. I mean, there are some nefarious things that are going on, like slavery, um, which is the pre the like basically the whole reason why this book exists. Um, but other than that, I think they did a really good job at creating this other world. Like it, you, it could be a DC universe. Um, it, it, I like the slower build ones and and this lit RPG. I felt I feel like they have a lot more to offer by not giving too much information in the beginning. So I saw it as more a pro rather than a con. Yeah, I agree. I, I, books that really drag for me throw a lot of exposition up front instead of just incorporating it into the story as you go. So. All right. I will say yeah, more. Um, um, you said it was like akin to like DC. I immediately thought of Skipper City as like an Arkham City. Yeah, from like, City like Gotham. That's, or... that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking yep. it's an Arkham with a Batman kind of thing, except absolutely. for you're starting with a character who starts with absolutely nothing. This guy works in a fast food restaurant. He's a fast food manager, um, and he hates his job, and he hates what he's going. He's obviously a trust fund baby, so he's not your typical guy, but he's definitely um, he's definitely he doesn't have access to his trust fund. So as far as the way he's living, he's just he's just your normal Joe Blow. This was a hundred percent like had screamed Arkham City vibes to me, which I mean is fine and all because it's you know corrupt city. There's whatever, but you know it it did give what lack of um, diversity there was. There was a lot of quality in the city, just like Wind was saying. Can I just flag something here that we probably should have done right at the beginning? Each one of us play D&D, and we're fairly geeky. So when you said this is a lit RPG, um, it's our ratings are probably going to be skewed from here onwards uh, just because we because we play D&D, we obviously have a certain interest and understand game mechs. So that's obviously going to skew the way that we view this. And that's something that you probably get over the in the print version over the... Uh, over the audio version is once in a while Felix will, uh, he accesses his powers by uh, creating this kind of holographic screen in front of him and, and uh, how, how he has his character sheets organized. Um, and once in a while he does a rundown of his point totals and that gets a little laborious uh, with, uh, yes. you know, reading the point totals uh, to the, uh, to, the, the listener in a, in a book, if you weren't so interested in seeing that, uh, you could just skip it and, and go down, which I guess in an audiobook you can too. You can, you know, fast forward 15 seconds at a time or whatever, but, 
um, yeah, that was that was really my only complaint about uh, having the lit RPG in audio format. I, I would agree with that point. I mean, it that's the bit that's kind of annoying. I mean, and I do like game mechanics, so I still listen to it all because I wanted to understand what the gain was. But I mean, it doesn't fit the context of delivery. Okay, so uh, we'll go to writing, and I get to start this one because I had it rated the lowest at a seven. And so this was the first book of um, this author, uh, William D. Aaron, that I read. And I thought the writing was well-paced for the most part. There were a few places that drug, but not very many, especially for a first effort. And uh, I thought that there were, um, I, I guess my biggest complaint uh, the reason I didn't rate him higher was I didn't care for his, his use of prose as much as I do some other authors. Um, and that's typically the case with younger, more inexperienced authors. Um, but I also thought that there were some, uh, obvious avenues of, of storyline that were just completely bypassed. But once again, um, the overall story, the idea of, uh, you know, that is abhorrent to most people of owning other people. Um, he writes an entire book series around, um, these people being essentially his slaves for all intents and purposes, no matter how he treats them, he owns them. And so, uh, definitely give, uh, some applause for, um, for breaching that topic and, and handling it as well as he did. So, uh, looks like Roar had the highest, Yeah, I mean, with this, you brought up the good, like the the point about slavery, and I actually think they only they didn't really have an option, right? They were literally the the laws had changed overnight, and and so essentially all the heroes are in this situation where essentially if they get caught, they're going to be beaten up, tortured, and moved to slavery. And it's actually a really if you think about it, every single reader who wants to listen to another book in this circumstance is like the the people who are either indentured service so, uh, in, in indentured services, which happens a little bit later on, or the slaves in the beginning, they want to be in his care. They want to be owned by him because of the perks that come by it, because of his superpower. So it really does flip it, um, the context of it on its head. Um, but it is still a very, very heavy, heavy topic, and I think it's done really well. I think the pacing was fine, um, probably because I've been listening to quite a few books recently that have bad pacing, so maybe it's contextual for me. But um, I, I enjoyed it. I think I punched through this in a week and a half, so the, the entire book. So I enjoyed it. The pacing was fine for me, but then again, I, I did it in a pretty solid setting, and it might be different if you sit back a little bit later. I agree with some of the pronouns. It feels like it's a early works writing for this guy. And I imagine it's only going to get better with his, his later books. All right. And cat. So I rated it at Nate right in between the both of you. I probably would have gone higher, but as we previously mentioned, like when he's pulling up a stat sheet and reading it across the time, I mean, that was like a solid minute and a half to two minutes of just like person name point balance total allotment and it's just like okay this is really taking me out and that happened quite a bit 
Like the first time, cool. That's awesome. Great. I get it. Like this is a cool mechanic. 20th time, all right, I'm over it. Just 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 tell me his total po- points. I don't need to know it broken down 6 7 8 times. It's just yikes. Um the pacing I thought was really good. Um there was probably some slow moments, but I don't nothing really comes to mind because if it became slow, something big happened not too soon after. And those like those big moments, those like surprise attacks on his life were kind of getting a little repetitive and predictable at certain points. You, you know, it's kind of like hills and valleys, you know, the, the it'd be really exciting and everything's happening. And then it kind of dies down a little bit and you're like, okay, so this happened before something's going to happen. Oh, there it is. And it happened. So <laughs> it became a little predictable towards the end, but it's still, I was still in it. I was still engaged. I was still with it and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but, why did he keep leaving the house? Like, man, get it. Like, <laughs> you, everybody loses out if you die. Just stay yeah. at home. This is your life now. Yeah, but, you know, I I still really, really enjoyed it. Okay, so let's move along to characters. And Kat, start us off. Okay. This is where the fun part begins for me. <laughs> I really enjoyed the characters. I would have put it at a 10. But there are a couple characters that I don't enjoy. I don't hate them. But whenever they come up in the book or whatever, I'm just like, ugh, I really would not rather deal with this character right now. Thankfully, they don't get a lot of screen time, so that's why it's put put up so high. But I also think the fact that you don't like some of the characters or at least i don't like some of the characters is really good because you're not meant to like every character just like game of thrones you're not meant to like cersei you're not meant to like uh joffrey they are meant to be unlikable characters but in turn that makes them good characters because it adds a person you don't really want to like you guys might feel differently on this but there were at least a couple characters where i was like "Ah, i don't really care for them all much yeah that was i mean Go ahead. No, you go. I was I was going to say that was it for me. Like I I got my top. I can rank them all from my favorite to least favorite right now, this very second. But you know, other than that, you know, I but, thought the characters were really well defined. Um, um, their appearances were distinct and different to each other. Even their powers and everything, it was solid. Yeah. I I agree. I really like the characters and your point on the, I think we've all ranked it the same, which is a nine. Um, I think the character mix is really good. And the one thing that I liked is, uh, and you briefed on this before, when um, the alignments change. So yes, he has some heroes and those heroes want to do good. And then he has some, some villains as well, or semi villains that um are in his care as well they obviously he's told them that they can't hurt themselves or they can't hurt him so they're stuck by this magical code that they basically can't break um but their alignments do change so the way he treats them is obviously a little bit different and it's good to see like the the main character felix he his uh evolving status and alignment throughout the the series so when he starts off he's he's probably on the lawful good side and then when he when these things start happening circumstance happens to him he he develops 
Um, so he, I think that he goes away from being a lawful good, and he, he definitely sits more in the, you would say, neutral, neutral, or neutral good. Uh, he still wants to do right by everybody, but he's definitely not. He's definitely making some evil choices in there in order to get revenge or to get his way, uh, which is good to see because the main character, and I'm interested to come back to you, Kat, to see who your favorites are, but one of the main um, characters who's one of the slaves, her she, she has a lot of impact on the decisions of the whole organization, his organization, and um and him himself so what she thinks obviously leaks into how he thinks um and she is a naturally evil character okay so um yeah i also rated it a nine and for a lot of the reasons you guys have already stated uh one of my primary things was that each character felt unique uh, instead of uh, having a one character kind of bleed into the next. And that's, that's a, that's a huge deal as far as I'm concerned, having, um, having them all be, you know, unto themselves. Um, I would say that, uh, there uh, I'm with cat. There were characters that I absolutely, um, did not care for and others that I thought were, um, were really brilliant. Uh, so cat, uh, you said you could name your characters, uh, favorite to least favorite. Cats just dropped off. Oh, wonder what happened. Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So, um, give, we'll give cat some time to, uh, get back on. So roar, what about yours? Um, well, do we want to do this when he's there? Cause this has got a lot of, um, nuance to it. Um, yeah, but, um, well, we've never had this before. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I want to give him a chance to, to, um, get back on the call. Uh, yeah, so. Anyway, um, I'm just going to uh, fill time and say what, um, which one of the characters was my favorite. Um, so I thought that Andrea was um, a, a great character. She was always positive. She, um, you know, bounced around. She was the uh, beastkin, and. Um, I love the fact that, you know, she thought she could fix anything by making people pancakes. That was great. Um, and, but I will say that the, uh, the character that I was most interested in, uh, Felix forming a romantic relationship with was, uh, uh, Lillian, um, Mab. Uh, she seemed like she was, um, you know, one of the, one of the more interesting, and even though she was probably arguably one of the most evil of the, of his, um, of his group. Mm. Um, and, uh, I really, really wanted to like, uh, Kit, uh, um, Auger more than, more than I did, but as the, as the book went on, I liked her less and less. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. 
So, and I think that comes into the alignment piece as well, because the main character Felix evolves over time. So that's what I was saying before. I really like Lillian, and the the best part about her is when she comes in, she's used to getting her own way because she has a pretty cool power. Um, so she comes in and she's like, "Give me my powers back. I'm not I'm not tolerating this. I shouldn't be a slave." Um, and then she becomes one of the main characters. She becomes pivotal, and she actually loves the situation that she's in um, and how she can operate, and she actually becomes one of the main characters. And prob- my favourite, she's definitely my favourite, Lillian. I disagree with Andre- Andrea. I don't love her. I find her slightly annoying. I think her power is <laughs> cool, and I think she gets better towards the end, but she was really, really annoying in the beginning for me. So I'm, and I'm, I, I'm not even prepared yeah. to say that she wasn't annoying. Uh, but I thought it was just adorable. <laughs> so <laughs> that that was just my my take on it. Yeah, okay. Um, the um, kit, I agree with you. I think like right in the beginning, she it seems like she's probably one of the main characters. But I mean, as so uh, the main character, Felix, has the ability to modify people's powers. And I felt that as her powers got more modified and her reliance on Felix got less and less, as her powers got modified to a point where she could basically self-regulate her power, um, she was more pushy on her alignment, which is lawful good, I would imagine. Um, and then she basically um, didn't align with the main character, so they had some a, a little bit of friction. Okay, so um, we just got... I just got word from Kat that his internet crashed. <laughs> So he's probably out for a bit. Um, I'm going to see if he can dial in on my cell and I can put him through that way. Yeah, give it a go. And um, I will. Oh, is he back? There he is. Ah. Ah, There he is. All right. So we were just discussing. uh, We hadn't moved on from characters yet. And you said you could name your characters from favorite to least favorite. And uh, this actually works out because you don't know what uh, Roar and I just said. Who was your favorite character and who was your least favorite character? Andrea and Iowana. So Iowana was your your least favorite? Iowana was my least favorite, yeah. And Andrea was your very favorite? Yeah. Okay. So. I knew I knew it as soon as I had Andrea on there. I was like, "Cat's gonna love her. <laughs> She's like cutely annoying." Uh, pancakes. Yep, pancakes. That's the so. See, I found that endearing, and I loved her as a character. Um, although uh, I'm I'm with Roar, there were times that it got to be a little uh, laborious, uh, but. That was a bit about the book I liked the least, the pancakes line. Oh. <laughs> well, lucky for you, it kind of it's only in book one. Um, oh, then I think, oh, she dies then. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Take that how you will. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you might have dropped a spoiler there for me. Oh, good. Um, I disagree with his spoiler. <laughs> so anyway, um, th- so for myself, uh, it was, uh, Lillian was my, was the character that I liked the most and that I wanted to her to form a romantic relationship with Felix the most. 
uh, and my yeah. Oh, sorry. One of the other things that we should probably add is this is very harem based. So like, there's multiple women. They focus around the main character. Um, not that he has a harem and he's sleeping with them all, but there there is that you know that interest on on a lot of them anyway. Um, I agree. Lillian was my favorite by far. And as as we said, she used to be a lawyer, uh, and she became one of the most useful of all of his of all of his people um we said that you know he was uh, in a trust that was controlled by this board of directors they were trying to screw him out of his money as soon as lillian showed up that all got put to to rest well mostly okay he never, access, he, he never really got access to it though right the the trust fund uh not in book one nope no who are you guys' least favorite? Uh, I'd probably agree with you. It's either Ioana or Felicia. Okay, yeah, that's. But that's they didn't get problem. much airtime though either. Like, I know. I, I don't really like you. I don't hate Ioana, but I don't like her all that much. And then she also doesn't get much screen time, so I'm like, that's fine by me. Yeah. So I mean, Mio is probably the same. I didn't really love Mio, but I think back. it was because Mio didn't get much airtime either. You take that back. So I'm I'm actually, uh, I think me is an interesting character, even more so in the future books. Yes. All so. right. See, I just think Cat likes me because it's a cat girl, right? <laughs> Andrea? Uh, Andrea's a wolf, and, not yeah. a cat. So me no. is human or human looking anyway, uh, kind of is oriental. She? Right. Uh, that's right. And then Kit, what's she? Is she human? Yeah. Yes. So the main, the picture of the main ca- character on the cover, who's that? That's Andrea. That's Andrea. Pancakes. Right. She looks more of a cat girl than a than a wolf girl. She's a wolf. I know. I know she is a wolf. Um. Well, I do. do are we ever actually told? I mean, Iwana um, calls her your wolf girl all the time. So that's the only real clue I have. I'm pretty sure she's... Yeah, they said beast kind, and then they mentioned wolf-like, so I would imagine. So, um, my my very least favorite character was actually the young girl that they picked up, as, and Felix became her ward. Oh, um, Eva? Yes. And she was she was a least favorite character in book one, and she became even less of a favorite in future books. Oh, if we're adding extra people that got it on into his inner circle, I think um God, what was her name? I just had it uh the 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 Veronica or Give me a second. Come back. Come back. Is it to the me. lawyer? No, no, no. Come back to me. Okay. Um, Should we move on to the next category then? Yeah. Uh, just real quick Victoria. though. Oh, Victoria. Um, there I were, think Victoria is a great addition to the inner circle. There was there was also I want to say uh, when they picked up Mister White and some of the other uh, non supers that uh, ended up joining Legion. I that that was one of the reasons I I rated characters so high. It was a very diverse group, and they all had their mm-hmm. own personalities. So, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, let's move on. Um, let's go to plot, and it looks like Roar's starting us. 
Yeah, okay, so plot was good. I like the way that the, the, the plot evolved. I rated it a nine, so it's not bad at all. So the great things was that I do like world building, and he managed in, I think, a matter of months, he's basically changed his, his organization away. He's He has um, purchased an entire street. He's building out his empire and all the skill sets under that and coming up with, like, different ways to conquer other people by, like, you know, med medics that can jump in and teleport and modifying people's and their abilities. And I think it's really cool because he's training, giving people doc- doctorates in medicine, all sorts of stuff. Um, the plot goes really well, but I don't think you got enough information with what the hell is going on with these e- evil organizations. Like right at the end, it seems like it's the superhero organization that's basically like, um, focused in on him and trying to take him down why would they want to like i understand that they want to take him down because of um they want to use that main character uh kit carrington to take down the main guy um but they've already fa- she already failed trying to take down the main guy so why would they be trying to do that in order to, to to take him down again when i say the main guy i mean the head villain who's taken over this city state Definitely. so for me um yeah for me they i feel that there were some things that could make it a 10 if they improved those, but I imagine they do come up in book, uh, book two, the pacing and everything in the plot was good for me. I, as soon as I finished this book, I was like, I just want to download the next one straight away. The only reason why I didn't was because (laughs) I knew that we had this podcast and I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to consume a second book and have spoilers going. I wanted to come into this with no knowledge of the second book. Um, so yeah, and I also rated it a nine. Um, I I thought that the plot was very well executed, um, and I'm with you. I think that there were some things that could have been cleaned up, but overall, uh, from where we started to where we ended, it, there was an awful lot that happened, and I think that it was uh, very cohesive in the way that uh, the author put it together. So yeah, definitely a nine. Uh, all right, cat. Okay. Um, well next up uh, above a nine is a 10 and I gave it a 10 because I thought this was amazing. It started out slow. And then towards the end, he's got Legion and uh myriad and like a plethora of people under his workforce and everything. And I just absolutely love the brick by brick, portrayal of him going from nothing to something and the empire building and the people around him and the different departments you got hr you got the telemedics you got the fixers you got his his um lawyers and everything he's got r&d and i was just like oh i love this kind of stuff and the fact that it just started out with like three half-beaten corpses and a bar of lead and now he's just He's got like bodyguards and you know these wardens and everything, and like heavy armored vehicles and everything. It's just oh, it's so good, and, and it just was is like I couldn't enjoy it any more than I could. Roar, you got your hand up. Yeah, um, three half beaten co- corpses and a bar of lead is a little bit of an understatement. It's like three almost corpses a bar of lead and an insanely contextual contextual superpower that is almost unbeatable. Um, 
So, I, I mean, there is an additional thing. And I, I love that about this, that the superpower itself is, and it comes into the plot, the superpower itself was useless in a normal hero world because of the, his, his manner. However, in this circumstance, it's very, very useful. And it's only because of this circumstance that he basically fell into. Yep, 100% agree. So, all right, let's, uh, we're at 52 minutes. Let's move along to engagement. And uh, Roar starting us. Yeah, I mean, we kind of covered on this before, so I won't embellish it too much. Um, the I rated it an 8, which is still excellent. Um, it's not a 9 for me because of the, the way I consumed it, which was the audiobook. And we already touched on this with the... Um, the way that they go through the stats. I thought the stats were, 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 it was really cool and it would be really good in a book format. Um, I think this book would be in, more enjoyable as a book than as an audio book, but it, it was still very, very good for me. All right, Kat. Um, again, another 10. Why I put it as a 10 is because when we finished um, our podcast on three and we're just like, hey, we're going to do super sales next. I was done in three days. I read the entire book in three days. And I've never consumed a piece of book or entertainment that quickly before. And especially books. And the fact that I did it in three days and I'm just like, I need to know more. I immediately went into the second book. And then I immediately went into another series that it runs parallel to this. And I'm just like, I'm just consuming it. I'm enthralled by it. I love it. I just need more. (laughs) Settle down, mate. Settle down. (laughs) It's so good. It is good. It is good. All right, so, uh, and then I rated in between you guys with a nine, and um, I think that that's, um, I think that that's, I was kind of in the same boat that Cat was. I was just like, oh, man, this is so good. I need the next book. And unlike Cat, though, I had to wait for the next book because it wasn't out yet. Um, <laughs> but the um, the other, the thing that did um, tear this down from a 10 to a nine for me was what Roar mentioned, and that was the the repeated use of, which I understand, you know, uh, was important information, especially at some junctures of the book, just to repeat all of those scores longhand, just kind of took me out of things. So uh, that's why I gave it a nine instead of a instead of a full on ten. Okay. Before we go into overall enjoyment, yeah, I just wanted to point out that I love that. Only a couple months ago, Kat, you were like, I'm not a book guy. I'm not an audio book guy, but I'll give it a listen. And now yeah. you're like, absolutely love it. Give me more. And uh, this is what the point of this was, right? To get us listening and re- like consuming content that we wouldn't normally. I've so, already given yeah. him some curry about that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going on my ass about it. And I know I'm a fiend right now. I'm just consuming books on the week. Uh, and it's just... It's scary to see what I've. How's your credit total holding up? (laughs) I still have two credits, but I'm gonna have to buy more because I got three more books that I need to finish before we even do another book recommendation. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Um, Okay, Uh, are we ready for overall enjoyment? I'm sure Cat is probably about a seven or so. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Roar, start us out. No, and. Oh, yeah, I'm the lowest. There you go. I, I'm the lowest out of nine. This is good. So I loved it. It was a great book. 
Um, the last book I read that I consumed this quickly, so I read it in like a week, week and a half, um, was, uh, we already mentioned it, the, um, the Mercyverse series, which I really, really love Mooncall called. This is basically up there with that. I want to read more. Um, I probably am going to read some more lit RPGs. So if you have any other recommendations, send them my way. I do. Really, really loved it. Love the game mechs, love the context, um, would like to see more different worlds within within this same kind of framework to see if it's a lit RPG or if this is just this specific book that I really liked in it. And I also rated it a nine. Um, I, the, like I said, this was my first experience with a lit RPG, and I thought uh, it definitely put me off on the right foot. So even now when I run across one that isn't as good, I'm like, you know what, the, but there are good books out there. I'll keep looking. So, um, yeah. Definitely a nine for me. Cat. And surprise to no one, it's a ten for me. Um I like I said, I, I a lot from the engagement, three days. Love the Empire building. Um I love to see the expansion and I think book two just elevates book one even more. And even without knowing what happens in book two, I still really, really enjoyed book one. The fact that like I got like it was in Arkham City, you know, I had a very vivid mind of what the place looked like. Um, the characters were just so good and they each had their own place. There was no there really wasn't any overlap. It was just phenomenal. Phenomenal. I just absolutely love it. And I just wanted to consume more and I have consumed more. And the fact that I'm taking a break from super sales right now is killing me inside because I want to get to book three. <laughs> okay. Well, um, okay. That is all of the, uh, ratings. Uh, do we need to clear up anything else before we give our recommend or our, uh, book for the next podcast? Yeah, I would just probably just like to put out there that if you are thinking about getting into lit RPG, this would be a good starter one. Yeah, Considering I, I haven't read any other ones, I would I would recommend this. Would you, as someone who's read more lit RPGs, recommend this as um as the your first book, or would you say that there are other or better lit RPG out there? As long as as long as you're uh, you understand what the premise of the book is, and it's not going to put you off about the slavery aspect. Um, I think that it was an excellent place to start. Um, really, really good, uh, first effort by the author. And, uh, also, um, you know, the, the game mechanics, um, weren't overpowering, but they were definitely always present. And it wasn't the conventional, uh, harem book. Like you think where, um, you know, the main characters getting sex every 10 minutes and that sort of thing, kind of a, yeah. a slow burn romance with, uh, you know, a couple of them, but, uh, not, uh, anything, you know, beat you over the top of the head with. So, yeah, I think so. Do you ever listen to or read any other non-romantic stuff? Uh, yeah, some, uh, like, uh, I listen to, um, Lift off uh, the desperate early days of SpaceX, um, and you know I yeah I read other stuff, but um, this is this is common fare for me for sure. Hmm. So next book, what are, what are we listening to next? Well, this was my recommendation, and um, 
So I'm, I'm happy to, um, make another, or I can, um, leave it to either of you. Kat, you said there was one that you, because you're already behind, you want to listen to the, there's one within this same arc. I believe it's also yes. a bit RPG. Um, I've got two recommendations after that. So why don't we go with your one first and then um, give you a chance to finish up all these books before we move on to a new a new theme. Yeah, as I, as I mentioned to you guys before, uh, I have three books and five hours of another book I want to finish before I go into another series. So just to give myself the time to finish those books, uh, I'll recommend the series that kind of runs parallel to Super Sales, and that will be uh, Wild Wastes. Okay, so that's Randy Darren, right? Yes. All right, and we've already reviewed a Randy Darren book, right? We have. Wasn't uh, Randy Darren the author of... Oh, no, nope, never mind. Um, nope thinking something different. Um, yeah. Uh, so this one, uh, and when we say runs parallel, um, there are five series that are written by the same author using different pen names. Uh, super sales and superheroes is one wild wastes is another, uh, swing shift is one. Um, and then there's incubus incorporated. And what was the fifth one cat? I can never remember. Um, give me two seconds. Right, um, I need to pull up the message. Right of Retribution. Right, right of Retribution. Yeah. Yes. All five of those series are written by the same author under di- uh, under two different pen names, and they are all interconnected somehow. So I have read all of Swing Shift, all three books. I've read all of Super Sales, all three books. I've read three and a half of the Wild Waste books. I'm not through number four yet. And I have not read any Rite of Retribution. I did read one of Incubus Incorporated. Uh, Varying degrees of what I would say as far as whether I like them or not. Uh, But so far of the two, and not having read a word of Rite of Retribution, um, the uh, Super Sales and Wild Waste have been my favorite. I would agree with that. So... Um, so we'll, uh, review the first book of Wild Wastes then. Yep. Sounds good. Okay. Well, if that's all we have guys, uh, we'll, yeah, go ahead. Before we finish up, what have you guys been up to this week? Cause I'm always interested in like what you've been doing, what you've been up to. Anything interesting happened this week before we close off? Um, uh, I just had a long week of work um, and, uh, been listening to the latest wild waste book. But other than that, not a whole lot of anything How about you, cat. I am trying to power through wild waste so I can get back to <clears throat> super sales and then I'll go back to wild waste and finish that as well. Roar. I went, I went to London comic con this weekend. Oh, nice. Two days, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> what uh, were there any like panels or uh, costume contests or anything that you went to? Yeah, they had the World Cosplay Championship, so there were like some really good cosplayers there. It was incredible. I mean, I would recommend that you check it out on on um, YouTube if they release it on YouTube. I also I like totally froth over this cosplayer called Cal Sarah, and she's a German cosplayer, and um, 
I met her in person, but I didn't take a photo. <laughs> <laughs> What's with that? I was like literally talking to her for like 15 minutes and I was like, yeah, and she's going to move to London apparently. Um, and I thought that was really cool. And then when I left, a friend of mine said, did you get a photo of her cosplay? And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> what the heck? Whoops. <laughs> oh, well. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, did Little Roar go with you? No, 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 just me. I went with Bao on. Um, uh, I went with Bao on day one, and then I went solo day two. All right. Well, sounds like a lot of fun. All right, guys. Uh, we are just over the hour mark, so going to close this out. Uh, Roar, thanks for taking the time. Cat, you as well. Thanks for recommending the book. Yeah. yeah thanks for having us. All right. Uh, and so until we get our, around to our view of Wild Waste, uh, we'll talk to you all later. See you later, guys. <laughs>